What's up, guys? This is David with All Access Pass Podcast. I want to start this podcast out by just giving a very quick apology. This podcast is about two weeks late for those of you who are paying attention. Uh, so what had happened was uh, I got this podcast recorded with Howie. It was about two and a half hours of audio, and I guess my computer, this uh, late 2013 MacBook Pro, could not keep up with Howie's awesomeness. And therefore decided to crash. Uh, so for the last two weeks, I've been trying to recover the computer, uh, recover the files uh, that luckily I backed up a couple of times after the interview. And now uh, using a new program to edit the podcast. So it may sound a little bit different, but it is up. It is up. It is up. It is up. Hallelujah. I know there are some 40 year old men that say that nightly. Thank you, Jesus. It is up. Anyway, uh, as you guys can tell, this was a real fun podcast that I had with Howie. Uh, we went for about two hours, and uh, this is just what I saved from the podcast because um, we just went down a rabbit hole uh, at some points. Um, so anyway, I hope you guys enjoy the podcast, and please go ahead and subscribe and uh, give me some comments. Let me know how you liked it, and I will definitely be having Howie back on the show eventually. Hey, what's going on, brother? How are you? Hey, man, I'm good. Just uh, making some hot tea real quick. Nice, nice. So how you been, man? Good, man. That's awesome. Just, uh, just grinding. Yeah, I hear that. You seem like you're always doing something. Always, dude. I, always <laughs> I can get myself into a bunch of stuff. It's crazy. <laughs> the, your podcast is actually what kind of uh, influenced me to start this. Um, oh, I, cool. I listened to the first episode of your podcast and been, uh, kind of hooked on it ever since. And, um, you know, you, what you said in the first episode was, I mean, it really hit home that, you know, there are a lot of people out there that are trying to do this and they, they just can't, um, because they're making mistakes and they didn't have anybody to coach them, you know, and, and luckily you're such a nice guy and, you know, you guys have always kind of been nice, you know what I mean? And coachable or coaching, you know? Yeah. So that's kind of kind of what this is all that's, about. So that's really cool, man. That's awesome. <clears throat> I love that. I love that. It's nice to nice to know that you know me or the band, the music, and like inspire people. You know. Oh sure. Such a cool feeling. Yeah, absolutely, man. And I, you know, I uh, I I think the the first time I met you, I tried to. Uh, I, I don't know if I'm getting ahead of myself here. I don't want to like over talk this with the the podcast, but. Um, remember the first time I met you, it was just so cool. It was, um, maybe 2005 or six, something like that. And, um, you know, it was, uh, like you were just so fucking cool. You know what I mean? Like, uh, you know, I was just like fanboy coming up and I was like, Oh my God, man, do it, do it for the money. And, uh, you know, all the, the songs and, uh, you know, it was awesome. You just, you took time out of your, your, your night to talk to me and you were talking to everybody and it was just, uh, you know made this long-standing relationship with Ballyhoo for me, you know? That's really cool, man. That's, uh, I mean, it sounds about right. You know, it's like, that's just, 
it's just how we are. And I think, um, there's just no other way to be, you know, like, um, if someone comes up to you and wants to meet the band and, you know, say what's on their mind, you know, however it makes them feel like that. I feel like we, we owe someone that much, you know, um, if not more, right. You know, cause it's like, it's like a, I've said this for a while that it's kind of like a, it's a mutual thing. Um, when you are meeting someone that listens to your music, um, and you know, you wrote this song in your bedroom or whatever, and, and you put it out there and it becomes this thing. Um, and then people take the time to listen, learn the lyrics, like, uh, attributed to something in their own life. They come and see you play, you know, and this could be all the way around, you know, the other side of the country or whatever. Someone you have no idea exists until that moment. And, um, this whole time they're, they're getting to know me and the band, you know, it's, it's so weird. Like they they know what my voice sounds like they know what we look like. Right. Um, and I, I don't know who these people are, you know, it's just crazy to me. Um, but they're, you know, the, the, the fact that they took their time to spend money to come see us play and maybe they got a babysitter. A lot of our audiences in their late, you know, mid to late twenties and thirties, um, the, the, the bulk of our audience, um, when I look at the demographics and I know a lot of these people have kids and, you know, they're taking time and, and it's just, um, I appreciate it. The band appreciates it. And the least we can do is say hello, you know, and, and just, you know, get to know you a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. And you guys are freaking awesome at that, man. Definitely awesome at that. Thanks, so. man. We, we try. It's hard when we do like local shows too. Like I feel bad because we just have so many family and friends every time and backstage is just, just a shit show, you know? <laughs> I, I can like, attest to that. <laughs> yeah. And like we're soundstage, the way they have it set up, like it's, it's impossible to get from one side of the room to the other because the way they have like the crowd just right up against the, the side where the side door is there, the curtain or whatever, like it's insane. You know, it's just, so I don't know. I wish uh, I'm hoping that we can get out there next time and say what's up to people, but most nights we'll be at the merch table, you know, unless somebody had an awful night and they just, they, it, sometimes it's better for um, some of the band guys to just stay back there. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? They had like a bad night or something, you know, cause it, I'd rather not get the bad publicity, oh, sure. <laughs> but uh, no, it's, um, yeah, most nights we'll be out there chilling and saying what's up, you know. And I just can't stand by the bar anymore, man. Holy shit. Oh yeah, you'll get shit faced and you know, matter yeah, of minutes. People think we're a people think we're a fucking science experiment or something. Like <laughs> how, how much how much can the bad guys drink, you know? And like uh it's hard to say no, you know. Absolutely. Well, uh Hard <laughs> Hardesty, he's been uh he's been backing off that stuff for what, about a year and a half, two years now? And he's been yeah. uh, trying to drink you know, after the shows, I mean, it's, I, I can only imagine being at your level and, you know, the ugly level, it's, uh, you know, everybody wants to it's buy a, you a damn drink. Yeah. It's a process. Like, um, <laughs> it really is like, it, it's not something to like, I, I've, I've been doing great, honestly, the last couple of months, like, um, just, uh, I really started going hard, like in November, as far as like, um, my, I don't know how I'm treating my body. You know, like I started like really take even off on, on the booze and, um, at the shows and stuff. And I don't really drink when I'm at home. Um, it's more or less 
It's more or less, and Brandon will tell you that, like, it's more or less out of boredom, like sheer boredom. Oh, sure. You're at the show. Yeah, I believe like, it. Because you, you get there, you're sitting there for like six to eight hours, depending, you know, and like, you're just sitting there and there's nothing going on. And I'm not, I'm not the real adventurous type. Like, I don't like going on hikes and shit. I don't do that shit. <laughs> like, I don't go on long walks and like explore. I'm not that guy. Um, you know, I find other ways. Like, I'm always working anyway. I'm always on my laptop or my phone or something. I'm you know, working on music or whatever. I'm the business. And it's, uh, I'm just really, and now, like, I went over to, uh, my fiance's sister's house, like, her family, her, her husband offered me a beer, and I was just like, I was actually like, I didn't even want it. I was like, I, I should probably just, you know, drink one, you know? Oh, wow. <laughs> but, like, yeah, I didn't even care. I was just like, I was like, I don't feel like it. And, like, we're at the shows, like, I, I saw, I'll, if if I start to drink, like I don't even, I can't finish it, or I'm just like, it's to me, it's like pointless, especially after the show, because like we're we're leaving it for the hotel in like an hour, you know, like once the once the crew gets all packed up and we're ready to go, like what's the what's the fucking point? I'm just gonna wake up and have to pee all night long. And I'm not even <laughs> wasting, you know. Oh, your thirties you know, are hell, and, aren't they? Yeah, it's crazy. Mm. Well, like I just started, I just started feeling like like I need to get up and like take care of the business and stuff in the morning and. Uh, you know, hit the gym and things like that and like just be better at that. And the only way to really do that is to not get drunk every night, you know? Cause Absolutely. like, I, and nowadays, nowadays, if I drink like a beer and a half or half a glass of wine, I'll have a headache the next morning. Fucking terrible. Oh, wow. <laughs> you know? So it's, I just really put myself off of it. And, um, you know, I, it's just better this way, to be honest. I, I did that for so long. It was like a decade of, just getting wrecked on Jaeger and whiskey and, you know, beers. <laughs> the Jaeger yeah. years. Yeah, yeah, the Jaeger years, that's what we call it. It's just, <laughs> we, we call the 2007, we call it the Great Blackout of 2007. Oh, I um, believe it. Because, yeah, we, we remember, like, maybe four shows out of, out of like, 150, you know? <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, I'm just over it. I mean, it definitely shows, though, because I remember seeing you guys probably... I don't know, between, I guess, in the middle of when I first saw you and now, so probably the, the 2013, 2012-ish years, and, um, you know, from then until now, you can, obviously, you've advanced musically, but, um, you know, you can tell your live shows are a lot more cleaned up and, you know, well put together um, from what they were before, you know, and I think that is probably a big, big part of it, what you just explained. I'd like to think that we're better sober i really would i i hope we are <laughs> but, um you know it, I, honestly for a while it was um when i was starting to really kind of taper off um it was i would actually it was actually kind of unnerving to go on stage completely sober just dead sober like um and i would have to take a shot of whiskey or two sort of lube up and you know kind of level out in a way take the edge off and it wasn't to get drunk or anything. It was like literally just to take the edge off to feel, uh, to kind of, I don't know. Cause I, I, we'd done it for so long, you know, just like usually I was half drunk and, and I mean, back in the early days, I was wasted going on stage, but um, <laughs> yeah, nowadays, um, you know, well, like leading up to now, like it was like, you know, tapering off. It was just weird. It was so, I felt like it, it was definitely like a crutch in that way. Um, and now I've, I've done, a ton of shows in the last couple of months, just, you know, just dead sober, you know, on stage and fine, you know, and it's not something that like, 
I'm not completely against drinking. I haven't completely quit. It's just, you know, it's to me, there's a right time for it, you know, from personally, you know? Oh, sure. Absolutely. So if I'm feeling it, you know, I'll take, I'll take a shot on stage or if I got some friends in town like that, that can change things as well. And I've been doing this, like the intermittent fasting, like that's since November, that's, that's been great. And, and my body just doesn't want that stuff anymore, you know? Right. Well, that's awesome, man. I mean, yeah. to, to move in the right direction like that or in, in another direction it may not be the right or the wrong direction, but just in some sort of new direction. That's just awesome. Yeah. Every, everybody's different and, and I would never force it on anyone, but when people ask, I'm like, yeah, you should try it. You know, give it, you know, for a couple of days, see how you feel, you know, and honestly, man, I feel like a lot better. Like right now I, I haven't been doing that great with it since the holidays. It kind of messed me up. And then, um, just being home, it's actually harder at home. I thought it was gonna be harder on tour because, uh, it, the, the food choices and everything suck, but really you can kind of eat whatever you want in, in, in your feeding window when you're, when you're fasting. But, um, at home it's hard because you know everything's right there in the kitchen and i'm I'm in that i'm in that habit of uh -huh. like you know sitting down with danielle and, and watching you know whatever american horror story or whatever's on and you know getting a eating a row and a half of oreo cookies you know i'm in the same <laughs> boat i'm in the yeah. exact same boat see i uh when you first started talking about that intermittent fasting on your on your podcast um I was, I looked into it a little bit and I mean, you, you know me well enough. I'm, I'm a, I'm a big boy and I could definitely, uh, I could definitely lose some pounds. So I was, I was looking into it and, uh, it just, I don't know, may, I, I think you can kind of, um, kind of be picky choosy with it and, you know, your time schedules or the timetables that you were talking about. Um, Correct. you know, but, uh, I, I just feel like, you know, I've got, I've got like, um, hypoglycemia. So like my sugar drops real quick and I'm just like, man, that, that would just kill me. Like, <laughs> like I, th I think sitting on a rowing machine or like riding a bike or something like that would probably be a little safer for me than the intermittent fasting at this point. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, yeah, I'm like, in no, and I've said this before, like I'm in no way like the health fitness guy. Like I don't know most of that stuff. Like I, I that's just not my world. And I'm, trying to get better at it. I'm learning, you know, but like, um, someone in, in your position where that's an issue, hypoglycemic, you know, maybe, you know, there's people that are diabetic, you know, any of that stuff, like you certainly want to either consult your physician or, or, you know, do a lot of YouTube videos or reading about it, you know, but, <laughs> oh, sure. um, yeah, I, I actually never thought of that, honestly. Like, um, but, uh, I mean, I guess if, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't know how that would work. Um, you, you know, eat clean during, during that feeding window, but if you need to, you know, if there's a point during the fasted state where you need to suddenly eat, you know, I mean, you got to do what you got to do. You got to break the fast, you know? Sure. Sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. But, uh, yeah. You heard it first from, uh, from Dr. Howie. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's the thing. Like I think people get, get it confused. Like when I was first reading about it and stuff and, watching a bunch of youtube videos and stuff like people that don't understand it they, they they think that it's uh you're starving yourself and it's like that's not good you're starving yourself and it's really the opposite like we honestly eat too much we eat too much like like they um i saw i was watching this ted talk with this guy um dr sachin panda and uh it was like 15 minutes you know just ted talk and um he was saying that uh, through their research, they realized that a lot of people 
I don't know if it's most people or whatever, but um, probably more than 50% uh, of the population eat uh, 15 hours a day on average. And, you know, because of just, yeah, because, you know, you're eating every couple hours, you're snacking in the middle, like that kind of thing. You're eating late. Um, and it's just not good for your body, you know, like, especially like the type of stuff that most people are eating. It's not, not clean. And, um, you know, and, and we, we were kind of raised to believe that we need to eat like every two hours or whatever. It's just not true. You know, your body needs time to process all the evil things you're doing to it. And, um, I don't know. I can tell a difference, you know, it, when I, if I eat late now, like, um, after nine or 10, like the next morning, I just feel gross. I can just feel it. Ugh, you know? Oh yeah. And, um, when I don't, I'm fasting since, you know, six or 7 PM the night before. And I, and I skip breakfast and I'm just having a black coffee and I'm eat, eat at lunchtime, like noon, one o'clock. I feel great. You know? Hmm. It's interesting. Yeah. I'm, yeah. Yeah. May have to, uh, to look into that a little bit more and see, uh, yeah. See if that's something that I can actually work with. Yeah. Even if it, even if it's something like you, you could, cut off eating at, you know, eight or nine o'clock. Like maybe you don't skip breakfast. Maybe you eat breakfast, lunch and dinner. Um, you know, whatever, whatever it is to, to make sure you, you're getting, you know, your blood sugar is not crazy and things like that. Like, uh, if you can cut it off at eight or nine o'clock and maybe you're in bed by 11 or midnight or whatever, you know, whatever time, everybody's different, but you know, there, there may be ways around it. You know, actually come to think of it, I, I guess in a way I already do this, the, the intermittent fasting. Cause, um, I typically eat dinner around like five, um, mm-hmm. five or five thirty, And then I'm not eating breakfast again until like 10 o'clock the next day. Yeah. So, I mean, I yeah. guess that's, that's kind of intermittent fasting in a way, right? This is a great point because that, that's also something like people don't realize, like if you've ever, you know, if you've ever eaten your last meal at six or 7 PM, 5 PM, and then you don't eat again until lunch the next day. I mean, technically you've done this. You've, you've intermittently fasted hmm. and, um, you just got, you just get into a pattern and it only takes a few days to really get, um, to really get it down. And it, you just don't even notice. Um, and, uh, I was, I saw a video with this guy, really, I forgot his name. He really knows his shit, but, um, about all this. And, uh, he's like the, the best times to, to work out even are in the last few hours of your fast. Like, um, cause you, you, instead of converting food to energy, that's already done. You're now burning your fat stores and that get, I guess, kicks an overdrive when you, um, when you start working out, you know? Sure. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, makes perfect sense. And please, please fact check that, you know, like, um, whatever, but it makes total sense. And, um, I, I lost like six pounds in the first five days. I think it was, that's awesome. Um, yeah, yeah. And I don't, I'm not like a, uh, you know, I don't need to really lose weight that much. I, did, I wanted to lose like maybe like 15 pounds because I could tell my jeans were getting like tighter. I didn't need a belt anymore. You know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> I could just tell, I could feel my thighs like, you know, rubbing together. Like I could just feel it, you know? And I was just like, I gotta like, I, I gotta, t- I gotta tighten this up, you know? And my God, when you said that on your podcast, <clears throat> excuse me, when you said that on your podcast, I wanted nothing more than to reach through the radio and just strangle you. <laughs> you were, you were like, Oh yeah, I'm, I'm starting to get a little fat. My thighs are starting to touch. And I'm like, motherfucker, that, like, I've been dealing with that for 20 some years. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. The yeah, skinny no, little I'm, twigs maybe, talking about his thighs are starting to rub. I was so mad, and then I sat back and thought about it, and I'm like, well, you know, I guess, I guess for someone who who is, you know, in shape or 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 at least by definition of society, you know, for for something like that to happen, um, you know, I guess that could be, uh, you know, a little problematic or traumatic, even <laughs> causing you to change. I, yeah, yeah. I mean, I have. I will say that I, I, I have the kind of lanky, skinny body type, but I'm in no way in shape. Like I fucking, I got to work out, you know, I got to get like, I, I finally hit the gym again this morning and like just trying to get back on the, on the, on the wagon there. And, um, you know, I, I think it's just, it, it, like I said, everybody's different and everybody is their own person and it's up to you to make the decision you know, uh, if you, if you feel bad, like, you know, this is probably the best, the best thing for you. And until, until someone makes that decision for themselves, you know, nobody's going to force anybody to do anything, you know? Oh, sure. Um, and, and for me, it was just like, I, I still struggle with it. I'm like trying, like, I just know, I, I know that I can feel better. I can look better, you know? So I'm just trying to, you know, get into that. And I don't, I don't shame anybody, you know, for, their lifestyle choices, man, you know, right. It's like, absolutely. What are you going to do? Right. Well, I mean, it's ultimately up to them to, to make the decision to change. You know what I mean? It's not, there's yeah. nothing that, yeah. you know, even, even in your position, you know, who you are, I mean, even still, you couldn't, I mean, I guess you probably could with some people. If you <laughs> tell them to jump, they say how high, but, uh, yeah, you know, no, I, I, not when that it comes you would. to this stuff, like when it comes to this stuff, I, I, I don't, yeah, I'm definitely not like that, but, um, I, I definitely like have gotten messages from people like, Dude, thank you so much for bringing up this intermittent fasting thing. I tried it. People are asking me like what app I'm using. Like, um, I, I've been messaging here and there with people like that are keeping me, keeping me informed, like how they're doing and how many fasts they've done and how many hours they got and how much weight they've lost. Like, it's like, it's been really neat, you know, That's like, awesome, man. not, a, not a ton of people, but a few. And, and it's just, it's been really cool and interesting to, to see that effect. Like, oh man, I just kind of talked about it and I inspired someone to go to go do that and try to better themselves, you know? Right. Well, that's, um, it, you know, it, that, sorry, go ahead. No, I just say it's a nice feeling. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's one of the cool, the coolest things I think about, um, you know, where you're at with your career, um, you know, and the band for that matter is that you have such a high platform that you can talk about these things and really, you know, inspire people and change their lives and kind of plant the seed, not necessarily tell them what to do, but plant that seed to, to help them change. You know what I mean? Coming from you that, mm -hmm. you know, it definitely means a lot to a lot of people. Yeah. It's good to, it's good to just lay it out there and people can take the information and use it how they want, you know? Sure. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Very cool, man. All right. Well, I'm sure we could talk about, uh, diets and everything else all night long. Um, <laughs> but, mm -hmm. uh, getting to the, uh, to the meat and potatoes. Cause I have been dying to ask you this question uh, since, uh, since probably the first time I met you. So, um, do you like that segue? Is that a good segue? Good segue. <laughs> um, so just to kind of give you a little bit of history. So I first heard, um, I believe it was, uh, I think it was like, I think it was mellow grind. Um, either mellow grind or like mad. It was one of the M's like mad love or mellow grind. And, and I was like, okay, these guys are cool. You know what I mean? 
and didn't really think much of it. Um, I, I really didn't get hooked on it with that. Um, but then of course you guys came out with, um, do it for the money. And that's where I got hooked. You know, the quest radio, um, the, the most catchy chorus I think you guys have ever written in long shot. Um, and that's my, my opinion. Um, you know, Cali girl, Cerveza. I mean, like you guys really won me over with that. But the, the question that I have is, um, you know, with 365 day weekend, is is that something i mean it's obviously still on your spotify but is that something that you guys are still like still proud of and still kind of um you know says say this is where we came from type of thing or or how does how does that i guess kind of sit in the discography vault with you yeah um it's uh first off short answer yes very proud of that record um I'm, uh, I can't listen to it really. <laughs> um, I can't listen to a lot of our old stuff, to be honest. Like, I think a lot of the songs are, are great. And I'm very, I'm very proud of everything that we've done, that we've done. Um, but, uh, it's, you know, production stuff. Like, I get stuck in my own head about, pr- like, my producer brain now, the way I produce bands, the way I produce our music now. I look back and listen like, God, why did I let that go? Or why, you know, why did I sing it like that? Or how come I didn't try another, you know, cause a lot of that, that first record was a lot of like one and two takes and we're done, you know? Um, and it wasn't like, we, we did it in two days. We, we did the whole record in two days, 11 tracks, um, for like 700 bucks. And, um, you know, I, that was it. I did all the vocals and all the harmonies. Like it was like a Saturday and a Sunday in April, um, of 2000. And, you know, we, we were pretty well rehearsed. Like we were playing shows and we used to, uh, like practice almost every day. We want to be really tight. And, um, for the most part, I'd say it's the record pretty tight, but there's definitely like little transitions that are weird or like, you know, why didn't I do that vocal take? That kind of thing. Um, yeah, I mean, it's cool. It's, it's out there. Um, if it was like that, I probably would have taken it down or never put it up in the first place. But, um, <laughs> you know, it, it's, it is a cool little thing for people to go back and listen to where we came from. Um, you know, the sound of the band has, has evolved a lot since then. And uh, I think the same, we've always had the same uh, sort of approach. like melodic and um rock and reggae and punk and you know whatever um there was a little more funk on that record like funky licks and stuff because our bass player at the time like he's so sick like he just he really he like loves primus like les claypool and um he loves uh uh y10k from rage against the machine like um you know yeah and he has all these these really cool bass influences and so we were like more funky and um so we kind of lost that when when chris quit the band but um, was that uh king kingy uh yeah so his uh chris kane is his name and uh he's, oh it's kane uh, yeah kane yeah oh, he goes by um, or something like that he goes he goes by cassius king i think on instagram um but uh 
he still plays. He's still fucking amazing. He's just, he sends us stuff like just messing around. Like he wants to get in my studio and like record some stuff with me, you know, just kind of mess around. And he sends me stuff. I'm like, Jesus Christ, this is insane. I wouldn't even know what to play to this, you know, like <laughs> guitar wise or sing or whatever. Um, but yeah, man, like I think a lot of the songs are like, uh, just it, the record is all over the place stylistically. It is not very uniform. It's more of a collection of some of our best songs at that time, I think. Oh, sure. Rather Absolutely. than, yeah, it wasn't like a fully thought out kind of process. Nowadays, you know, I, when I go to make a record, like we pick the songs that make the most sense, you know, that's going to help it flow. And that one was just like, well, we know these are the best. So, you know, right. let's record them. Um, but very, very proud of, you know, how it turned out. Um, we banged it out in two days. And it served its purpose. Mm-hmm. And then I only pressed a thousand copies. Um, I, I I got a loan for like I don't know, like a thousand bucks or something from my my local bank. And you know it cost a little bit more than that to make it, but um, I, yeah, my dad paid for the the initial the, the recording sessions, which is cool. He was always a huge fan, very very supportive. He he loved it. He played the shit out of that record. He played <laughs> the shit out of all of our all of our records. Was this um, the uh, the record that you guys uh, that you talked about on your podcast that uh, was like in not I don't think it was high school was it when you guys went into uh, the studio and you guys uh, your dad like gave you guys some alcohol or beer or something like that is that this one uh, no so the, we did a, we did a record before three sixty five um, that we just call it nineteen ninety eight because <laughs> there was no originally that was going to be the first I, I wanted to call I had always wanted to call our, our first record. 365 day weekend since you know since i started the band like i remember like that's gonna be the name of the first record and so we recorded this and i we were still in high school i was like 17 i think um and we recorded this record and it was going to be called 365 day weekend um but then we got like a rough mix of it and then we never went back to the studio and it just never happened so like it's just it's like 16 songs that just never saw the light of day except for one um selling out which is now on the new record detonate right yeah and absolutely. yeah and so so that record that we recorded my dad again paid for that i think it was like 400 bucks did it in it was like 16 songs we did the entire thing all the vocals all the overdubs everything mixed it you know rough mix i guess um in like 36 hours like it was done like 16 wow. songs yeah, it's so stupid. That's nuts. Um, yeah, and we were stoked. We we're like, shit, we're like moving fast as fuck. Like we were, it was like literally one take, two takes, we're done. And um, <clears throat> and so did that. It, it never came out. And my dad again, he played the shit out of that, and um, just loved it. And so he, after he passed at the end of uh, 2016, um, I it was a very dark time, and you know. Uh, I just didn't write anymore and I was just, I was just over it for a while. Um, and I uh, just couldn't get my head straight. It's too cloudy, you know? And, uh, finally I, it was like, I want to say August of 2017. So roughly eight months later, um, that's when I kind of started writing again and really thinking about it. And we got down to the wire. It was like a couple of weeks before we went into the studio in January of last year, um, to make this record detonate. And I talked to my brother, Donald, who's been in the band since we started in 95. Um, he's a drummer and, uh, badass too. I was like, dude, I was like, dude, yeah, he's great. Um, 
I was like, dude, what do you think about uh, resurrecting an old song from that first recording that, that you know, we did that dad paid for and the, the cloud nine sessions. And he was, he was like, yeah, that could be cool. And so I started thinking about it. I was like, I was like, what about selling out? Cause that could be cool. I, I changed the lyrics, like the, the, the song, the arrangement and the chord progression, everything is exactly the same. The music is exactly the same. Oh, I sick. just changed the lyrics. Yeah. I didn't change anything about the music and like from the first to last note. And, um, I changed the lyrics because they were very high school and very just dumb, you know, just didn't make sense. And, and they were silly. And, uh, the original song was called Sell- selling out for the beef. And I have no idea why I said <laughs> beef, but it meant, but it meant like, it meant like, you know, getting laid, sure. um, selling out to get laid. And I don't know why I would refer, would refer to like a vagina as beef. I, I don't know, but, um, that's, that's what it was, you know, as, as a kid, you know? <laughs> and, uh, so I changed the lyrics and made it more of a reflection because the original song was about what it's going to be like when we're super famous and rich and getting laid all the time. And, um, you know, just being, being huge rock stars. And the song now is a reflection on the past, you know, 20 years since that, since that song was originally recorded. Um, and what everything that's happened since then and how that is just not the way like it did right. not turn out, <laughs> you know? Um, so, and, and I'm not unhappy about that. That was some silly, like high school stuff. And obviously the song was meant to be silly in the first place. I had a really fucked up sense of humor back then. And like, um, well, I still do, but, uh, it was, um, there was a, I think the first lines are, uh, uh, played my first rock show when I was 15, but now it don't look like it did in my dreams, mm-hmm. you know, and it's, um, the radio don't want no kids from Aberdeen, you know? So it's, it's a kind of a, a reflection and sort of a sneer, I guess, at like, you know, what's happened so far. Um, and, and the chorus is talking about how like all my friends are getting married, bands are breaking up, but I'll, I'll keep, I'll still keep, playing my guitar because i don't give a fuck like it's just it's just meant to be like it's it means how how i've watched all these bands fall apart over the years some of these bands that i thought were great and could have done really good things um and they broke up because you know band members got married or somebody got pregnant or or you know or whatever life happening and somehow we've been able to keep it together you know even through all the life events and stuff and here we are Right to this day, still rocking out, you know, and we're doing, we're doing well, you know, it's like, we're not rich or anything like that, but we pay bills and, and it's, it's a, it's something that I love doing. And since, and I've been wanting to do it since I was six years old, you know? Right. And, you know, so, and it's, it's just a fun song, man. Like it's so fun to play live and like circle pits and shit. It's great. Yeah. I haven't gotten a chance to see you guys, uh, since the new record came out. But I can just imagine with uh, with all the ballet hooligans and the uh, the crowd that uh, it definitely gets pretty crazy. Yeah, it's been it, this new record has been um, received really well by our by our fans, especially like the, the hardcore fans, um, the whole hooligan fan base, and the, the the hooligan Facebook group was just thriving, like just just lit up when we put the record out, and just every day checking back to see like, Oh my God, this song. And then this song, Oh my God, this is so good. Like mm-hmm. it was such a rad feeling, you know, um, when we put out girls last year, um, 
I'm sorry, the year before. It's 2019 now, I forgot. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we put girls on in 2017, and um, it was it's probably like our biggest rollout to date. Like it's our biggest release as far as like sales and streams first week, and then like the way we rolled it out with all the content and stuff. Um, but I could feel that like the big hardcore fans weren't getting behind it as much. Like they, they loved it because it was us, I think, but they weren't exactly behind it because it was a sort of a departure from the previous stuff, like daydreams and pineapple grenade and all that. Like, um, cause it was more about like that record has is pretty much all love song except for like one, maybe. And, um, <laughs> sure. one or two. And, and it's kind of a party album in a way. And has a lot of production on it. And, and again, I'm super proud of it. I, I love how it turned out. I think it sounds awesome. And like, I love that I got to like apply like my production skills as far as like making beats and like coming up with weird, you know, synth stuff and sounds and layering up the vocals and <clears throat> things like that. Um, but I could just tell there was something, you know, it wasn't like the favorite. Now, it's funny because a lot of those songs are on our top 10 at Spotify, like our top songs. So like somebody's listening, you know, but I think as a whole, uh, the record like was not, maybe not as like favored as like the more heavier content, like subject matter and stuff. Oh, sure. And this one, and this one was in no way to like combat that. It wasn't like, well, we need to, do a punk record now. It wasn't like that. It was like, it just is the way that I was feeling the things that I was writing about. It wasn't going to be, you know, good on a pop reggae backdrop. And and I love taking like happy melodies and putting them with dark subject matter, dark lyrics and stuff. I love that. I love the dynamic, but I like, I guess the way I was feeling, I, I was just in here in my studio writing songs and I was just slamming the guitar, you know, like, like, like I'm Billy Joe Armstrong, you know, like that. And that's just how it came out. You know, and it just so happens that our fans love what we did and the lyrics are really raw and, and visceral and real. And just, um, you know, that said, I have no idea what the next record is going to sound like. We're, 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 I'm working on a batch of songs right now. Um, we're going to be recording, uh, ne wow, next weekend, actually, um, in California. We're going to Pepper's studio in Redondo Beach. Oh, very for cool. a few days. Yeah, yeah. So we're gonna we're gonna record some new songs. Um, and there's some like there's like some reggae and there's some dirty reggae stuff. There's like some pop punk. There's some ska's. It's you know it's kind of all all around, um, within the realm, but sort of all over the place. You know, all the styles that we do. So I I don't know. I don't know what we're gonna do with it. If we're gonna make an EP out of it or a record or if it's gonna be singles or, or what. You know, but. I just wanted us to like, not. I don't like not working. Like, right. I don't like when we're just sitting around. Like I knew like we have like three, like four days off after one love next Friday in Long Beach. And I, cause we're starting a tour in California. So like we have like four days off and I was like, I don't, I don't want to just sit around and not do anything. I want to be productive. So, you know, I'm writing songs and taking, looking into some old songs that I did a while back in old demo folders and we're just going to record some stuff. Yeah. That's awesome, man. I, um, yeah, I I really don't know what to say. So I mean, when when I heard the new stuff, when I heard Detonate, when that first came out, um, I 
I was definitely taken back to like old Ballyhoo, which was, I think, what you guys were kind of going for with it. Um, I, I personally think, and you know, you can obviously correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that there was probably now three big turning points in Ballyhoo history as far as records go. Um, for me anyway, I think it was, uh, when daydreams came out, um, that was, that was a big turning point in Ballyhoo history for me anyway. Um, and then when you guys kind of switched it up a little bit for girls and now back to back, you know, going to, to release detonate. Um, I mean, how, how do you feel about that? Do you think that there were other, uh, turning points musically, or do you think that's kind of in line? No, that's definitely in line. Um, obviously music is, you know, subjective and, uh, but I, from, for us, as far as like career stuff happening, like do it for the money. Our second record was, was like, it really, it like kind of put us on the map. Like we had, it, it had been like six years almost since that first record we put that out in the in like october 2000 and this record didn't come out until january of 2006 the second record and um it took us like two years to record it and get it done um but once we got on the road uh in april of 2006 uh just i could just see that things were happening like we weren't drawing like huge or anything like that, but like throughout the year, as the record started getting out there more and we kept touring, we kept hammering back to California and all that stuff. Like I, you know, people are coming to the shows and like certain songs, like the quest and Cerveza. Oh yeah. Cali like, girl. Every, yeah. Cali girl, everything. Um, bad credit, like those songs, like, and, and radio, like, I lately noticed I can keep going. You see what I'm saying? Like, it's just, yeah. There, there's something about that record that like, it was just real and there was no bullshit. And it, it, it's, it's all over the place as well. Stylistically. Um, there's like a heavy rock song and drop D that we never ever play, but like, you, you know what I mean? Like it's just, but I feel like there's something for everyone and it just really got our name out there. And then cheers came in and just really like fortified that, like just made it, just even more, you know? Yeah. Somewhere and, um, tropical. Yeah. Somewhere tropical and paper uh, dolls. We, we did yeah, paper dolls. We re-recorded everything for that. Cause I just love that song so much. And, um, yeah. Close to me, like the acoustic song on there. Like, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's just, those and that's, records uh, really, alcohol, right? Alcohol's on that record, right? Well, uh, so we actually, it is now, but, um, in the beginning it had 18 tracks, and um oh, we right. signed a deal yeah we signed a deal with surf dog records um in i want to say early 2009 and there was no reason to like looking back you know and we knew pretty quickly that it was like a bad decision um to do this but and the the people at surf dog were really nice and um i can't say they took care of us that that's for sure like it, it was the deal was just more or less like for them to sit back and make passive income. That's really what it was. And, and, you know, we were making, you know, $3,000 checks every month from CD baby up until that point, you know, that record mm-hmm. was selling really well. And 
3000 bucks a month, you know, when you're talking about four guys in a band, that's not a lot of money, but that's a lot for an independent band that, that, you know, is maybe drawing 50 people a night, you know, and, um, maybe less than that, but like it, it was going well and we signed this deal and we were excited and we just thought, you know, I don't know, slightly stupid, put out a record with them. And like the, uh, the guy that like was running it was like UB 40s old manager or something like that. It just felt, <laughs> I don't know. It was like, oh, okay, this could be cool. You know, but that's one of the things. That's another reason I started the podcast tales from the green room is because I want people to hear this stuff. And I want dads to know that like, just because someone's interested, you know, it doesn't mean that they're actually going to do anything for you. <laughs> like, right. And just because, just because you work with a producer that's put out platinum records or works A&R for a label, like a big label or whatever, or knows fucking everybody. It doesn't mean shit. It doesn't mean anything. Like it does not mean that you're going to do anything like that. That record could, you know, could just be a paycheck for them. Right. You know? Well, one um, thing that I was taught when, uh, when I, I don't necessarily consider myself ever being in quote unquote the industry. Um, but one thing that I was taught when I was touring a lot with some bands was that if anyone is ever interested in you from a record label or a management company or something like that, you don't always have to be interested in them back. And uh, right. the other big thing is if they're interested in you, that's a good sign that you probably don't need them because that means that, you know, their top A and R people that are finding the best talent have now found you. And now they're essentially telling you, you know, you're on the right track. And you can do whatever you need to do with or without them. And sometimes with them is, is not as beneficial as without, as you stated. Yeah. There's like a, there's like a, there's like a subtext to it that many people don't recognize. And mostly it's because you're blinded by, Oh my God, they like us. You know, that there, there's a whole excitement and the green, the wet behind the ears, uh, perception of it. And what you're describing is like the subtext, like just them hating you up is like letting you know that you're doing it right, you know? Absolutely. And, and that's something that's something that we never, you know, even considered. But we, but we also we're like, from a different oh school. You know, we're, we're from the old school where, you know, we grew up in a time when it was like all about getting signed. You know what I mean? That was how you knew yeah. you were at that spot. Like when you got signed, you were there. And you know, nowadays people, you know, you can do the same things independently that you can do on a label in, in my opinion. Um, you know, especially with all the, the online distribution services out there and things like that, there, there really is no, no need for the whole getting signed thing, unless you're a huge label band, at which point, you know, you're, you know, you can, you know, people have your best interest at heart for the most part, you know what I mean? Cause it's going to pad their pockets as well as yours. Um, yeah. and I think that it's starting to finally make that switch where bands are starting to realize they can do it themselves. That's why there's been this huge influx in DIY bands and, um, you know, less people are concerned about getting picked up by labels, at least major labels. Yeah. There's, um, I mean, the rules from the nineties and beyond do not apply like, and they haven't for a long time. And, um, you know, just like you said, that was, that was the goal. When we started this band, it was 1995 mm -hmm. and it is so different now. And, um, it, your best bet is to not sign with the label, you know, um, because the playing field has been leveled, 
your Spotify and Apple Music. You've got you've got numerous um, distribution opportunities. Where the the problem was back in the day, before you know, let's say let's say before Napster, because that's really when it got all fucked up <laughs> for the label, right? Um, um, some pre Napster, man, it was like there was zero distribution opportunities. You know, you couldn't just upload your shit to a SoundCloud, you know, type of website. Um, MySpace didn't, you know, wasn't popular till what, like oh four, oh five, right? Something like that, like really popular. Um, maybe sooner than that. Uh, but no, I think you're on the right track with that. Yeah, but there was no, there was no way to like get your stuff. You know, it was it cost a lot of money to put a record on a CD. You know, to record it for one, the the recording costs were insane back then. You sure. know, um, and like to get something that sounded great would have been impossible for us. You know, we did what we could, mm-hmm. and um, to then to put it out and like, I mean, yeah, I can I can sell CDs at shows. You know, but I I didn't understand like a hustle. Like I I hear these old stories about like I remember watching uh, it was like Kid Rock behind the music years ago. Like I think it was behind the music. Anyway, he uh, he was like, man, I've got like a hundred grand in the in the in the mattress. You know, in the <laughs> in my room. Like right. I'm like from fucking what? Like how how did you sell all these CDs? Like how, or tapes or whatever the fuck it was? Like how did you do that? But you know, every, there's a some people just know how to do it, man. They know how to get out there and just, and sling, sling merchandise. And I, I was never that guy. Like I hate approaching people. I'm like, Hey, do you want to buy this? Like I, I fucking am not good at that at all. I've never been good at that. Um, and so maybe that, maybe that's why I should never popped off when it was, when I thought it would, but, um, you know, distribution now you can sign up and within minutes and you're ready to go. You can have a song out there. You know, if you put it on SoundCloud, a free service, it, you, there's no wait that you just put it up there whenever you feel like it. You put your title on it. You set. You put the link out there. It is global. That that is shit is insane. Right. Right. Absolutely. Um, but at the same time, it's now you're trying to rise above everybody else doing that shit. Um, and this is where either the song is insanely good and goes viral, which rarely happens you know definitely like in the rock world it's not not happening hip-hop and pop is like where it's at but like um or or you're an insane hustler like you know how to how to move move units you know you know how to talk to talk um but you know the goal should be no matter what if you're starting a band right now the goal should be put out the best sounding shit that you can the best sounding spend spend the money work with people who know what they're doing right and even if it's a friend that's really good at engineering like try to recognize you know the the, the quality and like understand you know like find somebody that knows how to work pro tools or logic or garage band or whatever and knows how to record and make sure the band is well rehearsed and play the songs the best you can make the best sounding record you can and and sign up with something like TuneCore or CD Baby PRO or um uh what's another Di- uh, Distro Kid yep. or something like that and 
get it out there and just work it. Get on Instagram, get on Facebook, get wherever, SoundCloud, wherever, you know, all the socials, hit all the platforms, YouTube, hit them all and engage with your audience. Stay on top of it, you know, and, and if your shit is good, it'll, it'll rise, you know, and now that's, again, that's subjective. I think my shit is great. I think like our songs are awesome. I think there's a reason that, that, you know, walk away has 15 million streams right now on, on Spotify. Like it's because it's good. And that, that's what I think. Um, it, it, is it good enough to, to, you know, put us at the Grammys? Obviously not. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> not this like, year at least. It, it, yeah. Maybe, no, it's that, that's a bitter way to come at it. I, I just mean like, you know, it, it build connections, uh, or, organic relationships. Like, you know, there's so many things that play, maybe a little bit of luck, you know, just, um, put yourself on the path, align yourself with the right people, uh, tell the people that aren't producing to get the fuck out of the way, you mm-hmm. know, and, and, and do it your own way. That's another thing too. Like if I had advice for anybody, it's do it your own way, stick to your guns because people see through bullshit. They can smell it. And if you're not, if you're not real, then they're not going to believe you, you know? Sure. Absolutely. Now getting back to the, uh, putting out the, I get passionate about this stuff. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I love it, man. I mean, that's my entire life. It's been my entire life. <laughs> right. So. And, I mean, and it shows too, man. I mean, the, like I said before, the, the amount of inspiration that you give to, to, uh, uh, people that are coming up in this is, is just huge. And it's, it's because you are so passionate about it and you're real, you know, and that's, that, that means a lot. So, um, but yeah, uh, getting back to the, the making the best record, um, you know, the best sounding record that you can, would you agree that, you know, not only is it about that, but it's also just getting something out. Um, you know, you may not have a ten, twenty thousand dollar recording budget, but if you can get into the studio, put your 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 art down onto a record and get the the distribution out there, get the music out there for your friends to hear, you know, high school, you know, middle school, whatever. Um, you know, that's, that's better than nothing. Am I correct on that or, or what? Yeah, you're, you're definitely correct. Uh, um, you can take, I don't, even if you're in a full band, like this is where I think people like, you need to think outside the box. Um, people get it twisted. Like you're in a full band. Okay, fine. Maybe you can't record, you can't afford recording or, you know, the hours, whatever it is have have your guy have your singer and your guitar player or if the singer is the guitar but whatever it is go 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 to a studio for two hours scrounge money together and go to a decent studio for two hours and record some acoustic songs one acoustic song you know whatever and and people love acoustic music i've found this out i have found this out like we can tell by your instagram page yeah, yeah, dude, it's crazy. Uh, dude, we can get on that in a second. That shit's been crazy. I'll, I'll, t- I'll talk about that in a minute. Um, but, uh, people love acoustic versions of songs and, um, like, it, there's something about it. And it, I think any song should be able to be played on an acoustic guitar. Um, if not, there's something wrong, you know? Uh, you should be able to restructure it somehow and play it on acoustic. But anyway, Go, go, dude, use your phone, 
you know, and get the best recording you can on your phone of a performance and put that shit out. Just put it on YouTube, record yourself and put it on YouTube, like, and, and spread the, the word. I, you know, people think that, that it's all about, I did say, yes, I did say, get it the best sounding you could, but you know, there's different levels of that. It's, 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 it's as best as you can get it. You know, right. don't put out something where, where it's, you know, the, the guitar's out of tune or like, you know, maybe your meters, like you're playing fast and you're playing slow, like you play to a click, like you make it sound the best that you can get it. You know, you don't need to go spend a ton of money. You really you don't need to spend any money, you know, just get the best that you can sound and put it out there, you know, and then put another one out there and then put another one out. Like, just keep putting out songs, man. You know, like you got to have some people want content. They want to take it in and you wouldn't believe, you know, especially a stripped down acoustic version. Uh, the kind of doors you can knock down. It's just like people just find you and go, Oh, this is great. You know, cause it's like easy on the ears and it's not crazy in your face. And, um, it's easy to digest, you know? Sure. And, uh, I, I think that, I think it's all of this technology is here. You, you have this device in your pocket that does everything, you know? Um, you can literally record a song on your phone. And put it on the internet with your phone, you know? Right. Like, you have this studio right in your pocket. And I think people think they need to be in some big studio, you know? And it's just not the, it's not how you have to do it, man. You, you, you use whatever means necessary to get there. And if that means, you know, recording a song on your phone and putting it on the internet, that's what you got to do. Don't sure. wait around. Just, just get it done. If you feel like you got a good song, get it done. Sure. Absolutely. And, and honestly, you know, kid i don't want to say kids but but bands these days don't really have any kind of um any kind of excuse i mean uh you know back in the day when you used to go to studios uh you know my favorite studio around here um and you know you're a maryland boy yourself but uh kmh recording studio down in annapolis um you know i used to love going in and recording with keith but you know back in the day it was super expensive because of all the 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 outboards and um, you know, recording actual instruments and things like that. And, you know, nowadays, uh, you know, I just left the studio, uh, two weeks ago and it's 40 bucks a song. And I mean, it's really, really high end recording. And, you know, a lot of it has to do with the, the digital age and, um, you know, a lot of it's virtual instruments or whatnot. But I mean, people have no excuse these days. And, and like you said, you have, you have a 4K video camera. For the most part, most people, uh, you know, in your pocket, you know, the the microphones on these phones are great. You put up some YouTube content and, you know, or even record on it and get something out there. Yeah. The 40 bucks a song. Holy shit. Yeah. And <laughs> there really is no excuse, everybody. No, no, not at all. And and even so, there's a, another engineer that I work with from time to time. Um, he's in a, uh, a touring metal band that... Uh, I guess I can say who they are. Um, so, uh, Chris Davis from the ghost inside and, um, mm -hmm. and he is a phenomenal engineer and his, uh, you know, I can't say what his prices are on the podcast, but I mean, they're, they're very reasonable, um, especially for who you're getting to engineer the record and, um, you know, the, the outcome of the record. I mean, it's just, uh, there's, there's really no excuse. I mean, anywhere between 40 and a hundred dollars a song for some producers and engineers, you know, it's not going to be the greatest sounding, but 
um, you know, sometimes you'll, you'll strike gold and you will get somebody who doesn't charge much, um, that has a home studio that is, uh, you know, able to put stuff together in very logical form and put out some good material for you. Yeah, it's so true, man. There's so many really talented people out there, um, that, that can engineer a record. Um, people just have really good ear and they really know the software and they know how to, they know how to mic a drum kit or, or whatever, or how to get the best performance out of a vocalist. Um, and you do not have to break the bank. And, uh, technology is definitely a part of that. Like you said, like, um, I mean, I, I can't imagine, uh, I mean, I guess I can't imagine, but like spending, you know, two, two to three weeks in a studio, like we have before, you know, back in the late nineties or early, early two thousands would be really, really expensive. You know? Right. And, uh, now, nowadays, man, it's just, I, I have this, production studio here and it's yeah i yeah i mean i'll fucking record people you know <laughs> like come here I, i've made several records here like come to me i'll record you but like um and they're great too by the way um the thanks, the, the new uglies record is is phenomenal man i know you had a, a big part in that thanks man yeah yeah the uh the new one is sounding even better than that so i'm excited to uh you know, put that out yeah i'm excited um, to hear that as well thank you um yeah, it's, you know, but it's all, it's all learning and just constantly doing it and uh, figuring out new ways to do stuff and um, having a little bit of an imagination helps too, you know. Um, sure. I've been in studios before working with engineers or people. It's like uh, there's a sound that I'm that I'm trying to get out in my head, and this is like back in the day when I didn't really know how to do any of this stuff, like how to record and how to work Pro Tools and stuff. And like, I needed to be sounding like this, like kind of like put this on it and kind of like this effect, you know? And like, they just weren't getting it or like, I don't know how to, like, I don't know how we get that. It's like, just try shit, man. Just, you got to try shit. Right. Like I, I, I've done some weird stuff, you know, to get the sounds that I've, that I've wanted, you know, might not be the most conventional or whatever, but like, I'll like you know, stack a bunch of weird plugins together and make some weird noise or weird sound, you know, on a vocal or, or a guitar or something. Make, you know, just weird stuff. Just, just try things. And, um, I don't know. It's just, it's fun to mess around and make, make noise, you know? Right. Which by the way, speaking of that on that, uh, on that subject, I, I definitely, definitely dig the, uh, the cool sound effects and the, the way that you layer things on records. Um, I know, um, uh, crap. What song was it? Is it, uh, oh no, it's, uh, it's somewhere tropical, somewhere tropical. You got that, uh, that steel drum in the background. Um, you know, such a, a small thing that someone can overlook, but it adds so much to that song for me, at least, you know, just stuff like that just shows kind of the, the genius behind, uh, you know, Howard Spangler. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I appreciate it. it that, that was something that like, um, that song was calling for that. I thought like some, sometimes you need, sometimes you need to throw in what you know what i call the, the bells and whistles like um just the little extra things these subtle things that can really like set the vibe set the tone whatever you however you want to word it um and that song was just uh yeah we need some cool like steel drum thing happening in the choruses uh and this kid that i knew 
um, was like, I play steel drums. Like, and he came over and did it. And, uh, it was, it was rad, you know? And like, um, I've had that, that mentality since I can remember, like, as far as like making records and like how to put a song together and sort of in- instrumentation and things, backup vocals, harmonies, you know, whatever. And that song was one of the first that I can remember of really like kind of nailing it, you know, like, Oh, this is cool. Like the this, this sound really makes a difference. Sure. Absolutely. And I mean, it, it definitely, uh, it, I mean, it definitely shows on the records, man. Like it seems like after that, um, it seems like after that record really, um, there was more, more of the bells and whistles as you call it, you know, on, on follow up records. Um, yeah. You know, I know that uh, Pineapple Grenade, probably one of my favorite Ballyhoo records. I know I, I probably have that for all records, but um, cool. but yeah, like Pineapple Grenade was was such a cool record for me. Um, you know, you guys, I feel like that's when kind of your your voice really started to come out um, as we know it today. Um, or at least for for me, that's how I feel. Um, and yeah, no, was, I, yeah. Yeah, and then it was kind of like it was refined a little bit more on girls, and then you know when when detonate came out, I think that was kind of the uh, you know this is where this is home. You know what I mean? Like this is where Valley Who yeah. lives. You know, this is where your voice sits. Um, you know, this is where where Donald's uh, you know drums sit perfectly. Um, you know, Nick is a phenomenal bassist. I, I'm so glad you guys added him to the band a couple of years ago. Um, and then of course Scott. I mean, he's He's just phenomenal at everything he does. Yeah, we, uh, you know, try to get better with every record, you know, like, um, try to, you know, try different things. Like on this record, I, I guitar solo stuff, like use the harmonizer a little bit and like try to like step outside my comfort zone out of the box and, um, try different things, like different approaches to, I, cause I, I don't really do, I don't like playing guitar solos. I just do it because I feel like, okay, there should be something here. And I'll usually come up with something melodic, um, to kind of supplement that. And, um, the, on like gas station burrito, for example, like I just need some kind of a shreddy kind of a thing. And I'm not a shredder <laughs> by any means. And, um, I practiced the shit out of that. I, I, I don't know how many takes I did of that guitar solo when I was recording it, man, it was like frustrating, you know? Um, cause I will be the first to say I play the shit out of some rhythm, man. I'm a tight rhythm player. Absolutely. <laughs> but, but when it comes to like, uh, when it comes to like solo stuff, man, it's like, uh, I hate, I dread it. Um, and that actually turned out really cool. You know, I was like, Oh, this is neat. Like the, the dueling guitars and stuff like, you know, just stuff like that. Like just a really, you know, it's like, we have a certain sound. I know that, but it is cool to like reach out and throw some new stuff in there, you know? Sure. Absolutely. I, I, I can remember very vividly, uh, of course the, the name of the bar is now escaping me, but, uh, when I came to do the backstage shots for you guys and then, uh, uh, the photos of the show, what, what place was that? Um, Union Jacks in Annapolis. Yeah, Annapolis, um, yeah. Yeah, probably maybe a few weeks, I guess, before Detonate came out. Um, or maybe actually a little bit before that, because I think the um, when I was there, you guys were still mixing it or something. But 
um, you let me uh, hear the preview of Maryland Summer, and uh, that just that that kind of reignited the uh, the Ballyhoo flame, in my opinion. Like, um, I just I just think that it's such a great song, and and you guys are kind of going back to the roots, but at the same time, um, you know, staying on the production side of things. If that if that makes any sense, like. Uh, yeah, I mean, we're trying to make it sound better, you know, but then I knew that it was going to be sort of a, re- a return to the old style, like that Daydreams era. Exactly. You worded it right. Yep. Yeah. That's exactly what I was trying yeah. to say. Yep. Just going to record it better, you know? Right. Yeah. And every and every song on Detonate, I, I don't think that I can say this about any records that have that have come out recently. Um but every song on Detonate is a banger, and it's just so impressive that you know you're able to put together what what is there uh, 12, 12 songs or eleven? There's eleven songs on the record. Yeah, yeah, eleven songs on a record that are just back to back to back to back bangers. Like it's just it's incredible, man. I I don't know what you guys okay. are drinking in the water, but uh, <laughs> it's working. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. So, and I know this this record also um, meant a lot to you as far as uh, you know, lyrically and everything too. I'm assuming. Yeah, yeah, that was, it was definitely a lot, of, a lot of dark stuff on there. It was just processing the uh, the loss. It was like realizing that both my parents are gone, and and then it was like reflecting on, um, you know, moments where I feel like like there's not, I don't have like things just cause I write about something doesn't mean I'm thinking about that 24 seven. And that's necessarily my, my, my stance on it. Like when I say like, and I don't want to go how like I'm sick of it all. And I don't want to talk to anyone anymore. I don't want to go to the merch table. I, it's not what that's, that's not what it's a, what I mean. It's, it's about that, but it's not like what I'm, what I mean. It's just like, it's how I, it's a, it's, it's about how I feel in the moment you know, at any given time, sometimes you just, you're just fucking over it, you know? And, and sometimes you don't want to go out there and like talk to like 30 drunk people that, you know, are all up in my face and I'm like, you know, crowding around me. And like, when I'm not, you know what I'm saying? Like, you're, you're not in the mood for that. Sure. Um, I was, I was in like a weird headspace, man, you know? And, um, there's times on the road where I'm just, I feel like the show was bad or like there's something going on in my personal life. That's just, sucks at the moment or whatever you know and and in that stuff it was just i think about uh all the hard work that we've done and you know sometimes it feels like we're not getting what i think we deserve you know and like um you know so i write about that stuff and you know it again it in no way means like i'm unhappy with my profession or my choices or anything it's just you know we're humans and i it's you're capturing capturing a moment and you're writing about it you know yeah, absolutely. and it happens to be a lot of those songs on the record. <laughs> you know, yeah, and, and, and I just, um, you know, going through the record, I guess uh, I don't know if it chronologically is the correct word, but it's uh, it's it's definitely like a roller coaster um, when you're when you're listening yeah. to this record. And I know that in the past you've you've definitely said that you like to, um, kind of put records together like that. How you know it's a roller coaster with the ups and downs and. The, you know, the crescendos and the decrescendos and whatnot. But, 
Um, I mean, I just think you guys nailed this out of the park and I, I think it's really showing. I mean, your, your numbers on Spotify and iTunes are, um, you know, out of this world. I mean, I think they're probably better than they've ever been at this point, aren't they? Yeah. I mean, everything is, everything is great. Uh, you know, uh, when I put together a track list, it's, it, it has to be emotional. It has to be, it has to make sense. Um, you know, when you, when a song ends and the next song begins, um, you know, there's that gap usually, right? Unless the songs are connected, that happens every now and then, but like there's a gap there of silence and then the next song starts and there's gotta be some sort of a, I don't know, like a resolve on the the previous song. And the next one is either going to kick things into overdrive you know, really take it up a notch or now that previous song has, has led us to this point of like, okay, now we're at this, like, uh, we're at the moment in the record where things get deep or you know, we're kind of taking it down a little bit, you know, this, you know, maybe, I don't know, maybe the previous song is like, there's gotta be these transitional moments. Sure. And then Bruce Wayne and gas station burrito. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You sit there for <laughs> so, a song or two, and then and then you go boom. The next one's like, all right, we're back. You know, like right. Um, and and I think that really matters, and I think people feel that, you know. And hopefully, on most of these records, we put the track list together the right way. You know, absolutely. And I I definitely agree with that. I think that uh, it's it's more apparent in detonate. But um, I feel like every record that that ideology kind of gets better and better, you know, and as far as practice goes, um, you know, because yeah. Pineapple Grenade, it was great. And Girls started to make a little bit more sense as far as the track listing goes. And then Detonate comes along and it's just, in my opinion, um, just the track listing on it is just flawless. The way that it was put together, you got the ups and downs, you've got something that's extremely deep that goes into something that's kind of like more funny and upbeat and um you know it's definitely definitely very cool i'm definitely digging it and uh a lot of pe- other people are too luckily <laughs> yeah yeah it's great i'm glad people people dig it you know at the end of the day i do this for myself then we all do it for ourselves like this is you know this is our release this is our therapy certainly my therapy and um uh, i would like people we're putting it out there so i would like people to enjoy it i would like people to take something away from it something positive and um this one seems to really uh, check checked off the boxes, man. You know, like um, people are really, really into it. Uh, the way it ends with Mind Over Matter, I put this little um, orchestral thing at the top of the song. And it just, it, for me, it's just like the way it goes from Riddle with Bullets to sort of big like mini opera into that orchestral thing, Mind Over Matter. Like, it's just sort of like, you always need a, a song that sums up the story at the end of the record. Sure. Like something, something that resolves and sort of like, I don't know, like there's something really emotional about it. Um, I knew going in, like, it, like when we first recorded it, it just started with that funky riff. And it was cool, but I was like, it needs something to usher that in and something else to happen. So I started playing around and 
came up with this little orchestral um, thing and just arrangement. And it just, uh, I don't know, just really like capped it off for me. Yeah, it worked. <laughs> yeah, thanks, thanks. That's awesome, man. So I, I'm sure you saw it. I, I posted on the Bally Hooligans page some uh, some questions that people wanted to I didn't ask see that. you. Um, I know, and I didn't. I didn't answer. I want people to know this. I didn't get on really and answer because I knew what this was for. So I didn't want to like <laughs> spoil it. You know what I mean? Like I didn't want to be all like, "Well, we already heard this stuff." You know? <laughs> sure, sure, absolutely. So that's the only reason I didn't like answer. There's a lot of questions, and I felt bad that I wasn't getting on and replying. You know? Yeah, and there were there were actually well, not actually. Um, there were there were some really good questions in here as well, and um, I think that uh, uh, Scott answered a few of them. Um, <laughs> which, cool. uh, which was, uh, which was kind of cool. Um, you had some people asking about, uh, when you were coming to their cities, uh, you know, Toronto, Mexico. Um, but I really liked this question. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and yeah. ask you this of you. Um, what was the most awkward, and this is from, uh, Courtney Jean Maines, Jean or Jean Maines. Uh, what was the most awkward encounter you've had with a fan post show? <laughs> uh, that you man. can speak on yeah i mean you're talking like this band's been touring for like 13 years <laughs> um <laughs> but there's got to be that one that sticks out yeah the most awkward moment with a fan after a show um oh man I, I, there's there's just there's a lot there's i mean i've had I've had fans like, like I'll meet him at the, uh, the merch table and like somebody's like really, really drunk. And, um, this has happened a bunch of times, but like a really, really drunk fan come up and like get up in the, you know, all up in the bubble, you know, right there, breathing on my face, breathing on my neck, all that stuff. Oh. And like just some drunk dude, you know, and like, like constantly shit, like giving me like a high five, just dapping me just like for like six minutes and just asking the same question. Like there's like two questions that they just keep rotating and they're like half eyes, half closed and like, can't stand up. Like just really like, and, and I'm trying to be like nice and like answer their questions, you know? And then it's just like, I already answered that. Okay. And then, you know, maintain the smile and like, I don't want to make anybody feel bad or anything you know um but that can get really weird the other thing can be weird too when when a fan or two come up and they start talking asking questions and there's this moment where you feel like okay the questions are done the answers are there and then they just kind of stand there and then like i feel like awkward like that i'm supposed to make this like chit chat now (laughs) you know like and i'm really bad at chit. i hate chit chat i hate small talk i'm not good at it I'm just not good at it. I feel like I sound like an idiot when I talk to people. And, and so it's easy for me to answer like the typical questions and stuff. Cause it's like pretty well rehearsed. You know, I have a lot of the same answers, you know? Um, I like having meaningful conversations with people. I think that's awesome. But like when they're just standing there and they're not talking anymore and they're just sort of looking at me, that's weird. Like, it's just weird. Like, are we done? Are we, are you going <laughs> to, are you going to say something? You know, like it's just this weird thing. I, and I feel like I'm the asshole. Like I'm the one that's like, I should be the one entertaining and like making a conversation, you know? So weird. Yeah. I mean, the way that I look at it, 
as far as in that respect is like when someone does stand there and stop, you know, isn't talking to you anymore. They're just kind of standing there awkwardly. I kind of feel like from from seeing this over the years with with different acts, you know, it's it's almost like you waited all this time to meet this person that means such that means so much to you. You know what I mean? That's either uh, it has influenced you in one way or another or motivated you or um, you know, even, even bigger, you know, saved your life in one way or another. And you've waited all this time to meet them. And then you get there and you ask the question and then you freeze and you're like, well, I don't want to leave because what if something else pops up? You know what I mean? Like this is, this is my chance to talk to them, you know? So right. I, I kind of get that a little bit, but you know, I definitely have seen where it, it does get a little awkward and you know, the bands are just kind of like, um, all right. Uh, anything else <laughs> like we got yeah. like can we move on to the next person or do you have something else you want to ask yeah it's so, so weird we had we had one time uh we were in the green room and um i guess there was no security that night or something and this girl walks in and she starts like she grabs her bottle of jameson that we hadn't even cracked yet and she starts to open it we're like um who who are you like what what's going on here and she's like I'm just Madison. And we're like, okay, oh Madison, get the fuck out of here now. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like, it's like, we're nice guys and stuff. And like, like, come on, man, don't, don't do that. That's, that's weird. Don't just walk in there and think you're just going to start drinking our stuff and eating our food. And like, you know, it's like, it, you know, it's just weird. Yeah. Well, I think, I think that at some point there's, there's some people that, they they connect with you so much on a musical level they almost feel as though you know you are best friends you know what i mean like they know so much about you you may know you probably know nothing about them um but you know these people know pretty much your whole life story especially for you because you put so much out there um you know as far yeah, as like, your, like you know, your past all your kids and, are so cute and i'm just like wow that's really weird yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but it's my own doing you know it's like it's, i'm putting them out there you know so signing up for it i guess yeah, but I, I mean, I, I, guess, I guess I can see kind of both sides of it, but at the same time, I guess that would be uh, night after night for, you know, what do you guys tour 200 days plus a year? Um, you know, that yeah, would kind of, yeah. uh, that would kind of get a little, little awkward, a little old. Uh, there's definitely been plenty of people that are super cool and respect our space and the privacy and they'll come up and be like, Hey man, I just want to say the show is dope. You guys are awesome. Can I please get a picture? You know, and they're usually wearing, usually wearing a shirt or you got a CD or something. Like, hell yeah, man. Thank you so much for coming out. And then they're in and out. You know, they're not, you know, and, and it's fine if you want to hang out for a little bit, but it's just, it just gets weird when like you stop talking and then we're just kind of standing there. You know, like, you know, when like you're, when you're saying you're hanging out with somebody and then you say goodbye to them, it's like, all right, man, catch you later. And then you walk in the same direction. Oh, God. You, Right. And yeah. you're going the same way. And then now it's like, okay, now it's weird. Are we supposed to start talking again? Or do I not talk? Or do we hold hands? Right. Or? It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a weird, <laughs> it's one of those kind of weird things. So yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, I could definitely yeah. attest to that. Cause, uh, you know, not, not saying that anyone in the band is awkward or anything, but, uh, you know, when, when I came out to union Jackson, you know, we were sitting in the van and, uh, you know, you were, you were talking to your son and, uh, it was, it was awesome to see, the the father and not the lead singer of ballyhoo you know and um you know you were talking to him and he just learned a new guitar part and i think it was guitar that he was playing at the time 
And, um, you know, you were like, man, that's so cool, buddy. Good job. You know? And, um, you know, and then, uh, Donald and, uh, Nick were back there playing, was it Mario Kart or something? And, um, you know, there was definitely a time when like, you know, I was invited to the van. Um, but like, I was like, maybe I like, should I, should I hop out of here? Like nobody's really talking to me. I kind of feel awkward and, like, you know, cause, cause like, I know how that is, you know what I mean? Like sitting in a bus or sitting in a van and you got like somebody in there that isn't typically in your space and you're just like, right. all right, is this guy going to like talk to us or is he going to sit here awkwardly? Is he going to, you know, like what, what exactly is going on? You know what I mean? I, I think for the most part, like we, like the, our little, <clears throat> our little bus, that is like our only private space. And it's like home, you know, it's where we live. Um, and you know, we invite friends in and stuff. That's, that's no, no problem. And, and we'll have press people come in sometimes and do an interview or, or whatever. Um, but I will find that we're not like after a few minutes, like the talking dies down. We don't really talk. Like we're in the van. We don't really talk. Everybody's like playing video games or like listening to music or they're like, you know, watching a movie or something. That's like the chill time, you know? So like sure. for us, it, we don't want to feel like we have to entertain, you know, if somebody's there and, and we try to make people feel comfortable, but there's a point where like, I don't know, there's this whole like calm before the storm that we're trying to take in, you know, cause like this whole thing happens afterwards, you know? And, um, <clears throat> and yeah, so like that's not on purpose. Like we're not trying to make anybody feel weird or anything like that. In fact, we like, I feel bad. Like if I, you know, if, if, if there's no talking for a while, I'm like, Oh man, it might be getting weird for them, you know? So I don't know. It's, it's kind of a, yeah, it's kind of a weird thing, I guess. Well, I mean, it, it makes sense though. You know, I mean, you're yeah. like you said, that's your, that's your personal space. That is your home. And, uh, you know, I mean, I can speak for, for when I was there, uh, you know, it was probably an hour before you guys went on stage. So everybody was kind of just chilling and then, you know, it got to the point where it was like, all right, we're going to start putting the, the ears on and, um, you know, stretching and kind of talking stuff out and, um, you know, making sure everything's, you know, ready to go, you know? Um, yeah, so I, yeah, I definitely, a point. yeah, I definitely yeah. get it. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. but, uh, yeah, I definitely see where you're coming from with the, uh, you know, kind of the awkward, stuff on uh at shows and on stage and green rooms and things like that for sure yeah. all right well i i uh i don't want to hold you up too much longer you've uh you've been gracious enough to give me this much time so um let's just uh do you want to do this kind of rapid fire through the rest of the questions sure um because i know people are going to be uh not happy if they don't get their questions answered yeah let's, uh, let's answer the question <laughs> uh koi i guess koi rushton uh, asked, would you ever do a taco eating contest against Trop? Uh, fuck yeah, dude. Tropadelic. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> anytime, any place. Anytime, any place. I love it. Um, let's see. Lynn Atwood. Uh, what's y'all's favorite song to play? Man, they're all my children, you know? Um, sure. <clears throat> really love playing Riddle with Bullets. Mm. I can fun see that. Song. Yeah, fun song. Uh, this question may not apply so much to you, but uh, Gabriel Rushi, uh, bongs, one hitters, blunts, or joints? 
I guess you can answer for the band. Uh, yeah, typically, typically, uh, pipe and, um, definitely blown joints in the van for sure. Uh, typically the pipe and then the, uh, the, like the bowl, you know, and then, um, they'll hit the bong when possible, but we don't have a bong like in the, in the van anymore. Used to be the bong though. They had a bong and someone lost it. Mm. It's a shame. Uh, uh, Zach Cotrill, uh, favorite band to tour with is the first part of the question. And then the second part of the question is Howie, what album as a producer are you most proud of? Okay. Um, favorite band to tour with, uh, hmm. Oh man, there's, there's a few, but pacifier is always fun to tour with mm, yes good dudes they're um <clears throat> they're good dudes and um the shows just go off like i don't know like we have two different sounds but for whatever reason it like works and the, the shows are just insane we like sell out and um it's just a lot of fun so hopefully we'll do that again soon those guys sure. are awesome and there's also a lot of cross-pollination um, between your fans and theirs so that's probably totally, another big totally. reason yeah, yeah, absolutely. We definitely share some fans. Um uh and then the producer thing. Um man I mean I'm <clears throat> really proud of uh really really proud of the these from the East record, Bumpin' Uglies. Like that was um that was like really we worked on that for a while and um just seeing those guys go upwards the way they have in the last couple of years has been great. I'm really proud of them. And, um, <clears throat> like Brad is just a great songwriter and singer and like the band is awesome. And TJ is such a great drummer and throws down. It's just, you know, the whole, the whole band is just great. And, uh, I don't know. We, it, it was nice when that came out to see all the, uh, all the great reception from, from their fans. Sure. Um, and, and Chad uh, was a, a blessing when, when he came he, on board too. Yeah. He really like changed the, I don't say changed direction. He, he added to the band in a positive way for sure. Like, um, everything they're doing now on this new stuff that, you know, I'm sure I can't talk about yet, but, um, it's just, it's just on the, it's right in line with what they're doing, but it's like on the next level, you know? Sure. Um, just good, just good stuff, and I can't wait for people to hear that. And it even it sounds even better than the last of like already, even these first mixes that we're getting it sounded great. So, um, yeah. And then I, you know, the Detonate record is is the other one. I just feel really, really proud. I, you know, worked on that in my studio for a long time, writing the songs and making sure that everything is where it needed to be, like arrangement wise and things like that. Um, and, uh, and whatever songs I didn't have finished, the band helped me finish and, um, everybody just played great on it. And I, it's, there's probably one, maybe two things I wish I had done or done differently as opposed to previous records. Where I'm like, ah, God, I fucked all that up. You know, like, <laughs> like this just feels like almost the perfect record for me as far as like songwriting and, uh, producing. Right. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, 
there's a really uh really interesting one coming up here but let's do this one first uh sharon ahern uh favorite venue to play at that sounds um, like an impossible prob- question yeah i mean there's a lot out there for sure but probably at janice live in uh st pete florida it's just it's just a banger every time it's a party man like just it gets packed out there's like usually you know usually 1500 people there sometimes 2000 depending on who we're playing with and and it's just the vibe is right man it's just a good time and like the it's outside it's in this courtyard the weather's usually awesome the um the crowd's ready to rage and the green room is rad and the stage and production is off the chain. It's just a, a really cool spot. And, um, yeah, we've had many, many good times there. Yeah. Janice live. I've never been to the green room. Um, I have been to the venue and the, uh, LD there is incredible. Um, insane dude. dude every I, time it's like, I, Whoa, dude. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> I don't know, like that guy. I don't know if it's the same guy, um, because I've I've been there twice now. Um, I don't know if it's the same guy that did it both times, but oh my god, he was just incredible. It was absolutely incredible, and the sound there is phenomenal as well. Yeah, it's just a really cool spot. Everybody should go check it out if they're ever down there. Absolutely. Um, all right. So here's that super personal question that uh, that Rachel actually commented on, <laughs> throwing the ball back in your court and uh, Donald's court. Uh, so Ashley, I'm gonna butcher this last name. I apologize, Ashley. Ogrodowski. Ogrodowski. Um, how did the Spangler brothers meet their gorgeous ladies? <laughs> and Rachel diverted that question back to you. <laughs> okay. Um. Uh. I think I think Donald met Rachel at uh at the rendezvous, um, which is where we used to play. It was like the bar we used to play in the two thousands. It's kind of where we cut our teeth as a as a live band. Um, we were like a pretty sick bar band back then, and um, like uh, I, she had a boyfriend at the time, and he was with some some people, and um, I don't know. I guess I think that's where they met. Um, I could be totally wrong about that. I should probably know this. I was like the best man at the wedding. Um, <laughs> we'll have to fact but, uh, check this with Donald. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think that's, that's how that went down. Um, and then, uh, Danielle, I met her at a show. I mean, it's just how it goes, you know, it wasn't like in, in produce at the grocery store or anything. Um, <laughs> yeah, I met her at a show and she had a boyfriend and I was with someone and, um, just I don't know, met met her a few times, and uh, that you could see that that something was there, you know, and yeah, just sort of just kept talking, and I ended my relationship that I was in <clears throat> at the time, and uh, you know, here we are today, two two beautiful kids, and you know, just doing the thing. Absolutely, and she's she's got her own thing going on too, which is which is pretty cool. Um, keeps her keeps herself busy and i'm assuming uh makes things a little easier when you leave home for uh for stretches yeah i mean she's she's a good mom she makes sure the kids have what they need and um honestly it's you know i couldn't do it without her you know at the end of the day it's like you know uh i if there was nobody there with my kids like i would 
have to either find someone or I just couldn't go out, you know? Sure. And, um, she, she crushes it. She does an, an insane job. It's, it's insanely hard to, to do that job. Um, you know, and sometimes she wants to rip her hair out and, and you know, I, I appreciate her doing what she does. Absolutely. Um, how many more do you think you got time for? I don't want to hold you on the phone all night. Uh, no, I, I can do a few more. Um, just trying to pick out some, uh, uh, Amber Cohen, uh, other than music, how do you cope with stress? Uh, video games, dude. <laughs> That's exactly like, what Scott said. <laughs> yeah. No, seriously though. Like I just, I just, re- I just realized this like last year sometime, like I was playing, uh, I played what's it called. So right around the time that my dad died for Christmas, I got a PlayStation 4. I was like, cool, you know, because I have all all the gear that I need, really, like recording stuff. I don't really need anything else. Hashtag so Kemper. Him, like, uh, maybe, yeah, yeah, got, yeah, all that Kemper. <laughs> um, and so it's like, and all the shit that I want is like super expensive, you know. Um, so I don't really bother asking for that stuff. And so I was like, ah, you know, it'd be cool to have a PlayStation in the house, you know. And I wasn't really playing video games a lot, so my, I, I just work constantly on the band, you know. And whatever else I'm getting myself into. And, um, so I got it for Christmas and I got Uncharted 4. Played it a little bit, um, around the holidays, around Christmas when I got it and then didn't really touch it again for months. We were touring and everything else and, um, beat that game. Amazing game. Such a great game. Uncharted 4. Didn't play it. Gotta play it. Um, <laughs> and then, uh, and then I, I, I dug in and I played that. There's this, game called until dawn which is like a horror movie that you can control basically really cool and then um uh resident evil 7 um and then i got a, i got a switch and everything so like we, we can play like some of the games i was playing on there and, but anyway what i was what i was what i was realizing was like i'm playing these games and i'm just focused on that for the hour or whatever that i'm playing and it really just like helps man it just takes my mind off of stuff sure and the stress is like gone and i'm just worried about getting past this level or beating this boss or finding this item and it, it sounds childish maybe but um it's like uh i don't know it's like therapeutic man and like if now I'm, I'm like playing resident evil 2 the remake which is so sick um and it takes me back because I, I played the original that was one of my favorite games you know, when it first came out and it's very nostalgic, a lot of the same things. And it just, I had a smile on my face the whole time. I played it for like an hour the other night when it came out, you know, it's just, it just helps, man. It's, it's weird. Like I said, it may sound juvenile or childish, but I, I, I don't think video games are, <clears throat> I don't think they're childish. <laughs> you know? No, not at all. Especially not yeah. in a situation where you use them to, to de-stress like you guys do. Yeah, it's it's something completely different. It has nothing to do with what I do as a profession. You know, it's just something totally different, and it's it's like it's nice. It's relieving, you know. Right. Absolutely. Um. So I'm going through here. It looks like it looks like there's three good ones left, or three, uh, three extremely good ones left. Um. Sure. Holly Nicole asked. Uh. Who would play them, being Ballyhoo, in a movie? Who would play you in a Ooh. movie? <laughs> oh man, that's a great question. I love yeah, that. Yeah, uh, probably um, 
Me, probably uh, Neil Patrick Harris or DJ Qualls. I see the Neil Patrick. Okay. <laughs> no, I got, I got, people used to call me the new guy. Um, oh, that was such a good movie. This, someone yeah. sent me this meme uh, on Instagram, and it's young Howie and old Howie. And it's young Howie is DJ Qualls from the new guy, and then old Howie is Ryan Stiles from Whose Line Is It Anyway? No way. And, Dude, now I always thought in high school when I used to watch that show, who's lying there anyway? I always thought, like, man, he kind of looks like me. It's like weird. Like we had the same sort of features. And the older I get, it, it doesn't change. And it, same thing with uh, Neil Patrick Harris. When I was, when that show was on, Doogie Howser, uh-huh. it was, I was a kid. I was in like, I don't know, second grade or something. And that show was on. It was popular. And they used to call me Doogie. And oh, um, I used to hate it. You know, kids don't like being called names in school. Um, now it's funny, but like, and then once Harold and Kumar came out, it was NPH. People call me NPH. I don't know how many times every day on Warp Tour that summer, 2012, every single day, it was at the merch table, NPH or Tom DeLong every day. Tom DeLong. Yeah. People think I look like Tom DeLong. I, I can see it. I had my hair, <laughs> my, my, uh, I had my lip pierced for a while and my hair was, you know, long, but I could definitely see that. But yeah. So probably any one of those guys. <laughs> to play me um i think uh probably um let's go with let's go with not chris but maybe liam hemsworth could play uh nick for sure yeah i could see that um i could see that uh donald um when he had long hair we used to call me undertaker um so that guy Oh, Whatever yeah. Nowadays. Yeah, he yeah, yeah. Cut his hair, maybe. Um, <laughs> uh, and then for Scott, um, the dude from Anthrax, Scott Ian. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? That's a, that's that a, that's or, a good or, movie. Or uh, Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> I like it. That's a, That would be a good movie. I'd buy it. Yeah. I think everybody would buy that. Uh, Max Medina, um, top favorite bands of all time. Top favorite bands of all time. I mean, if you know me, it's Green Day for sure. Like, they're my favorite band. Still are. Like, they make me feel like I'm 13 again whenever they put out a new record. It's just great. Great music and just good vibes. Um, <clears throat> also love 311, Sublime, Goldfinger, um, Real Big Fish. You know, just, yeah, those are my faves. The other guys, uh, love, um, like Slipknot and, uh, um, Lamb of God and Wage Opeth. War. And, yeah, yeah, Nick, Nick, like Wage War. Um, yeah, like fucking Mastodon. Like they're all like metalheads, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> absolutely. Yeah. Scott's were, uh, Tool, Opeth. Bad Religion, No Effects, and Slayer. Yeah, yeah, huge. <laughs> yep, those are all, those all check, check, yeah. Um, check I think, out. I think this question, it's a good question, but I think you could probably talk about it all night. Josh Gerard, favorite tattoos they have. I'm sure you could probably go on and on about that. Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know, like, I love the, uh, <clears throat> I love the Mark Longnecker stuff on my forearm. Um, he he just killed it. I love his his uh, his tropa style. Like the it's like 
just tropical, colorful um, approach. I'm a huge fan of color, color tattoos. And um, I uh, had him do this guitar, um, an acoustic guitar that is, it's also a Nintendo controller, the original yep. NES controller, um, with some wings on it and this like sunburst in the background with like waves and flowers. And then he's got this, uh, we did this like tiki totem pole on the other side. Um, and, uh, put the Earl face on one of the faces, like just, just so sick, man. I'm just really happy with it. And, um, I can't wait to finally fill in the, the ditch in the elbow area. Oh, that's fun. That was not yeah, pleasant. That'll be fun. Yeah. I'm, I'm, super stoked on that one that's why i've avoided it that's why there's that big gap there <laughs> that and the armpit um, are not fun yeah dude i, I had my uh, this guy clutch um clutch art on instagram um he he did this uh started working on this flower piece on my um tricep and it got close to the pit and it just felt like somebody was digging in there with a spoon the whole time it sucked so bad hmm. And we didn't finish it. And he's like, I got to do this all over again. Cause it's been like four years. Oh yeah. I'm like, that's no. rough. yeah. So I'm bummed out about that. <laughs> I want to, uh, I want to point out, uh, I know this question wasn't directed towards me. Uh, my favorite tattoo that, that a few of you have in the band is the ride or die. I think that's probably the coolest tattoo you guys have personally. Van, Van or skull. Yep. Yeah. That was, uh, uh, Yes, they started saying that a couple of years ago. Vander Skull, that's, that's like when it's time to go. I'm like, right. Some, somebody's still in the venue or, you know, sometimes we go, we go out to bars next door or something like that. Like, Vander Skull, let's fucking go. Oh, is and that I'm, what it is? Vander Skull, not ride or die? He, no, it, it means ride or die, but we say Vander Skull. So oh, that's okay. What the, uh, so they, they, they use the emojis. That's what the emoji, the, the text message is. It's the emojis. It's a, the little van and then or and then, uh, the skull so it's just banner skull so they got the that that message the emojis tattooed on them yeah that's sick <laughs> yeah really cool um so this question i don't 100 percent understand it and i don't think scott did either but uh maybe you can decipher it donnie greenwood if someone didn't know who you are what advice would you have for them and how would you convince them that they should take it um <clears throat> Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Someone didn't know who I was. What advice would I have for them? And how would you convince them to take it? How would I convince them to take it? Um, so like, I guess that is actually a good question. Yeah. It's interesting. So that it just meaning like if, if like I wasn't a person of influence or something. Yeah. Like if I was just so like some, you know, regular, I am just a regular dude. I don't, I, it's a weird question because I feel like I'm a regular person. Right. Um, but like, uh, I don't know, I guess, I guess a lot of times I'll, I'll when I tell people, I've already kind of covered it, but like, um, well, maybe I haven't covered on this, but, uh, do, do the things that you want to do live live the life you want to live you know and it's going to take a long time to get there but you have to if it's something that you really want don't give up on it make sure that you do the things necessary to to put yourself where you want to be you got to have the foresight and 
<clears throat> find take take that thing that you want to do, take that place that you want to be, and reverse engineer it, break it down into steps on where you need to go to get there. Right, the things you have to do to get there. Um, put yourself on the path, align yourself with the right people, and make it happen. Um, a lot of people don't succeed because they they don't think that they can do it or they don't believe in themselves or like there's people around them that are like taking their taking the wind out of their sails, you know, because they're miserable, you know, and you got to you got to do you, you know, you can't let other people's you know opinions or their their bullshit affect you. If there's something that you want, go out there and get it. And don't give up because it doesn't happen in the first year. It's going to, I've been in this band for 24 years. This is not 2019 is year 24, you know? So it it takes a very long time. Um, you just got to work hard, you know? Uh, and as far as taking the advice, you know, convincing someone to take the advice, that's not on me. That's on them, you know? If you if you want to change your life and you want to do the things you want to do, and you don't want to be a lemming, and you don't want to work for someone else for the rest of your life, you know, make the, take the steps necessary to put yourself there. Yeah. And if you don't Very want to well take said. the advice, don't don't take the advice. Just don't fucking complain when it's when it's not going your way. You know. Yeah. Very well said. Very well said. Um. Let's see. Did you guys ever find the guitar? That's uh. That's gonna be a no. Um, I don't think you've ever touched on this. Uh, Jenna Lowe, um, Howie, what's your favorite Green Day song? Oh man, um, another impossible question. <laughs> yeah, dude, there's so many, right? Uh, <clears throat> so probably, you know, I always say probably because you know, my I always say my favorite Green Day record is quote probably Insomniac, right? But it most likely is because that's the record I play the most. That's the record I go to the most whenever I'm feeling shitty or like I'm driving, you know, long drive on tour or something like that. That record comes on. I, I think I spun it at the end of like 2015. I think I got or 2016 or something like, no, it was the end of 2015. I got that Spotify wrap up and I played that record like 1200 times, <laughs> something ridiculous. Wow. Like, yeah, insane. Right. So it's by the numbers. It seems like that's, that's my favorite record. Um, I'd say my favorite Green Day song is, uh, oh man, probably Armitage Shanks, the first track on Insomniac. And going to Pasalacqua from the first record, uh, 39 Smooth, is is a close second. They're like neck and neck. You got I really real old school on that one. Oh my God. That, that, <laughs> they're old shit. I mean, I love all their stuff, but man, they're old shit. Like, that's the stuff that got me, you know? And that song, those, that, those songs that I mentioned, there's just something about them. Uh, I don't know. They connect me to my childhood and I'm a very nostalgic person. I love thinking about like the past and living with my mom and you know, those, those years of my life. And, uh, you know, 1994 was the best year ever, you know? Sure. Absolutely. For music, for movies, like, like I was, I was turning 14. So it was just like the perfect age, you know, to experience all this stuff, you know? So, Hmm. I I agree yeah. with you. I was a little young in '94. Um, I'm not too far behind you, but um, looking back on it now, it, it definitely was uh, 
that was definitely a cool era, the mid nineties for sure. Yeah. For me, it was like anything after 94 uh, that wasn't green day. Anything else was fucking awful. Anything after 94, you know, <laughs> like I, you know, and that obviously I like, there's many things that I enjoyed about the late nineties, but it's just, yeah. 94 was just something special about it. Hmm. Interesting. Dude, Forrest Gump, the Shawshank <laughs> Redemption. Right? Was that all 94? Yeah, man. Dude, there's a oh, whole web page about this. Speed, the movie Speed. I oh, mean, well, you won me over on. with that. The Mask, Ace Ventura. Dude, so many great movies, so much great music. Like, that was the year, dude. I'm telling you. Huh. I'll have to do some uh, some digging on that one. That's pretty yeah, neat. Do, do I never, never noticed you'll, that. You'll, 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 you'll understand. <laughs> All right. Um, one more question, and I, I, I actually kind of want to know the answer to this one as well. Uh, great question. Cody Norris says, is there an entire acoustic album of classics and new songs out of the, qu- hold on a second. Let me reread this. Is an entire, okay. Is an entire acoustic album of classics and new songs out of the question? Not at all. Not at all. I like, think that'd be sick. Yeah. I, I would, I would love to do that. It's, it's, it really comes down to, it comes down to time and um it's sort of like i'll say i'll say that it's in queue like if 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 that will suffice for now it's in queue it's like it's not high on the priority list but it's on the list you know what i'm saying like i want to do i want to do that i want to put out an acoustic record of new stuff i want to put out an acoustic record of of old songs kind of rehashed or whatever like kind of like what we did with the cool down. Like I want to do a part two, like, um, you know, I want to do all these things. It's just like, you time. know, there's so much going on all the time. And it's like, you got to have a record. And then, you know, we just, we just wanted to put out a record this time. And, uh, like I said, we're going to do this, uh, this little batch of songs next weekend. I have no idea what we're going to do with it, but you know, stuff like that. And, um, I do want to get in and get the band over here and like, do put out a solid acoustic record. I want to do a live record, you know? So like all those things that people are thinking that would be rad. I'm probably thinking it too. I'm, I'm definitely thinking route 40 hose version (laughs) (laughs) 2.0. Oh man. What a silly song that was. That was a great song. I don't know what you're talking about. That That was like last minute, like recording a 365 that last day we were there, I was like, guys, I, I want to record this song. I think it's it's stupid. It's about this hooker on Route 40. And they're like, yup, do it. Like, I didn't have to play it for him, you know? <laughs> I think it resonates so well with with uh, with Maryland folks, though. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when we all know in, Route 40. Yeah, back in that era, it was, uh, that was, I, I went on, I went on 98 Rock and played that for the morning show. Like, those guys, like Kirk and Mark and those guys, and um, they, uh, you know, they thought it was hilarious. <clears throat> Absolutely. All right, man. Um, well, I think that's, uh, I mean, there's, there's a few more questions on here, but we've been going at this for two hours. I could talk to you all night long, but I know you got a family and everything. Um, one thing that we kind of touched on, and then you said we we're going to come back to it was that Instagram, the, uh, the daily acoustic videos, just real quick. How did you, um, get the idea to, to get that going and what kind of uh, response have you seen from that? Yeah, uh, song of the day. Yeah, so like, right, right around New Year's, like, 
the 30th, 29th, 30th, something like that. Um, I was like really starting to get into like thinking about what we're going to record at this, uh, thing next weekend and, um, at the studio. And so I was like, I gotta, I gotta write some songs. Like I don't really have like songs put together. Really. We got pieces of songs, things like that. I really started thinking about it. So, um, I think the first thing that I did was this new doo-wop song I've been working on. And, um, I was like, I'm just going to play it, put it on Instagram. And I've done that before. I've done that before. Um, uh, you know, where I'll put a, an acoustic song and that, that was nothing new, but I thought it'd be kind of cool. I don't think I've ever put like a brand new song that wasn't even really ready. I've never really done that. Um, so I did that and the response was great. Like people were like, Oh my God, this song. Yeah. Record this. That'd be great. I'd love more do out, please. That kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think the next day I put up something else. Um, and this was like right before New Year's Eve or something. And then it just kind of got this light bulb. I was like, huh. You know, cause a lot of times what will happen is if I don't sing for a couple of days, my voice like starts, it's weird, man. Like my voice starts going and you know, that's, that's like how I make a living. So, right. um, and there's really no excuse for me to not be singing. Um, and, but I get, I get bogged down with work and things and, you know, family and a lot of stuff and it just gets away. And there, there'll be like, I'll go a week without playing my guitar sometimes. And that's like, that got frustrating to me, you know, and, um, life getting in the way. And so I decided I was like, huh, this would be kind of cool. Maybe for January, I'll put up a song every day. Um, because one, it'll keep me singing daily so I can stay, you know, abreast. Um, (laughs) and then, uh, I can, you know, there's new, there's songs that we haven't played in a while that I want to work into the set list. It'd be easier if I was already kind of working on them at home instead of trying to hash them out on the road, you know? Um, and, and then it became this thing, like that's the first one I put up January 1st. It was like, Oh dude, it was the quest from do for the money. And I was like, people were like, Oh my God, I love this song. This takes me back. Like this got me hooked, like that kind of stuff. And so I was like, yeah, I'm going to try to do this every day in January. And you know, hashtag January. I, I'd seen that. I didn't make that up. I, I saw it somewhere <laughs> else. Um, thought it was clever. And I was like, I'm going to try to sing a song every day on YouTube and Instagram, you know, all through January. Uh, and then, just every day, man, I just been putting up a new song and the, the followers and subscribers on my Instagram and my YouTube have just like, are like off the charts right now. Um, like I, like my YouTube was just sitting there doing nothing. Even with the blog stuff I did, like nobody was like really watching and subscribing. And then I started doing this and it was like, boom, you know, uh, here I am almost a month later and I've, it's been like over 300 subscribers when before I was sitting at 300 subscribers and I had an account, I had a channel there for forever, you know? Right. Um, and the views have gone up and everything. And so I, I, you know, I figured if January goes well, then I'm just going to do it the rest of the year. I love um, it. Just That's make, awesome. Make it a 2019 thing. And I mean, we've only got like 120 songs or something like that. So I got to really think of some covers, like write new songs and shit. So at some point it's going to be kind of challenging, you know? Um, 
but yeah, I seems like everybody is really into it and people have been getting, um, uh, like looking forward to it every day and it's been, it's been really neat. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's been very cool. Yeah. I, I appreciate everybody watching and, and tuning in and subscribing and sharing with their friends. I see a lot of shares on Facebook and YouTube and all that, um, tags and stuff. I, I, it's, it's awesome. I'm, I'm grateful to have anybody listening to our shit or watching me play, you know, songs. It's just, it's a dream, you know, it's something that I've wanted to do since I was six years old. And, uh, you know, I'm just, I'm living it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I'm, I'm glad that you're responsible enough with your platform that you take positive actions, um, you know, with, with what you do post, um, you know, your content that you do post, that's, that says a lot about think, your character, for sure. I think positive, uh, positive things, positive videos, positive posts, whatever, is better than a shitty rant any day. Every day, you absolutely. Know, because people love to complain, and um, and I think people get real tribal, like when you know if you if they see somebody complaining and it and it, it aligns with their views, they get pumped, you know. And it is nice to know that people agree with you and you're in this, you know, in the same boat. But I just feel like positive energy is just way better, you know? Every day. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. If this does anything, I, I just hope that people take away, like, you know, they're getting some sort of like peace out of it. You know, that's, that's all I want. Right. Absolutely, man. I, I think you're doing a great job at that for sure. Thanks, man. Um, all right, man. Well, um, I guess let's, uh, kind of go over where people can find you, where people can find the band. Um, you know, all the, the socials. Yeah. I mean, all the major platforms, you know, everywhere, everywhere you are, we're probably there. Um, Valley who rocks on, uh, Twitter, Instagram, um, Valley who on Facebook, uh, Valley who rock <laughs> the, the, the user. I couldn't get Valley who rocks for some reason on YouTube years ago, I could value rock. I got that, but, um, <laughs> just search value. You, you were like, we're like the first thing to come up, and, you know, it's Spotify and Apple music and all that. So, and it's a uh, value rocks.com, correct? Yeah. Value rocks.com. And then, uh, of course, uh, tales from the green room podcast is on Spotify, Apple, Google, whole nine yards. Yeah. Wherever you listen to, wherever you listen to podcasts, it's there. And, um, uh, should have a couple more episodes coming at you soon. And, uh, that's been a lot of fun too. I appreciate everybody listening and supporting. It's been a really fun time. A lot of cool guests. Absolutely, man. Yeah. You've been, you've been knocking it out of the park with the guests for sure. So and it's definitely a great podcast for anybody, um, who is living under a rock and has not heard it yet. Um, definitely, definitely a great podcast. Um, but I just want to absolutely 100% thank you for, uh, for taking time out of your day to talk to me. Um, you know, I, I know that your time is valuable, so, um, I think it's really cool of you for doing that. Yeah, dude. Thanks for reaching out, man. I appreciate you having me on. It's like, you know, I can, yeah, I can certainly talk about this shit all day long. It's my life, you know? <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. And <laughs> I think if we had more time, we could, you know, dig in a little <clears throat> bit deeper to, uh, to the heart of Ballyhoo. Um, you know, and, you know, I know there's personally a lot of questions that I have for, uh, for, you know, for you. Um, more so than the band. Um, but you know, obviously we can always, uh, we can always sidebar that for another time. I'm, I'm sure I'll see you around here shortly. Yeah. Yeah. It's, let's not make it the last time I'm down, I'm down for next time. 
Absolutely, man. Well, um, hopefully we can have you back on the show, um, you know, shortly and uh, we can talk a little bit more. Yeah, man, you got it. All right. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate you talking to me again. Hey, have a good night, man. All right, buddy. You too.